0: I rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. So now you read that. We've been starting each service with a psalm for quite some time now. And usually it's, it's a psalm of worship or a psalm of praise. Well, this morning just sounds like a psalm of fight, but sometimes you have to fight. Even in the fight, God is still God, and we and we still worship Him. Amen. Let's all stand. Years ago, we were on a mission trip into into Romania, and uh, for those of you who were there, the or those that weren't there, the the. Uh, Church had a split one morning, and a church split in other parts of the world is not always. Uh, I don't like the way that uh, the coffee is served uh, in the window, or I, I don't like the color of the walls. This church split literally had clubs and people getting punched and rocks, and it was a fight. And I, I teased. Jamie, because uh, I tease Jamie because at one point Marta says we need somebody to just start worshiping. Because I mean, I'm telling you, it's a fist fight going on outside this church. And so I said, Jamie, come here, and she thought we were sending her into it, you know, to <laughs> to play. And then we just realized the best thing for us to do was get out of there. That was the we were the fuel that just kept. causing the the ruckus to continue. So we left. And later that day I said, Jamie, do you understand why the the Lord sent the worshipers into the battle first? And she was expecting a real spiritual answer and I said, it's because they were expendable. (laughs) But the reality of it is He did send the worshipers in first. Because it's in worship is where battle is won. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by our strength or our cunning or our wisdom. But it's because He's God. And as we lift up His name, as we worship Him, it's in that that the battle is won. Without having to lift a hand. We still have to walk it out. We still have to be faithful. We all, all of it works together. But if we don't start with worship, if we don't lift up His name and worship Him, then we're fighting in our own strength. So this morning, Father, we come before You and we all have a battle to fight, some big, some small, some really important and some that just seem that way. Father, this morning, as we come and worship to You, You know the battle that lies ahead of us. And so our our desire, lining up with the Word of God, says that this morning we're going to lift You up. We're going to worship You. We're going to honor Your name. And that as You do that, as we do that, as we worship, Lord, Your Word says that our enemies scatter before us. Thank You for this, this honor, Lord God, to worship You this morning. Thank You for this honor to to be in Your presence. Thank You for being here amongst us. And Lord, this morning we, we truly do again lift up the name of Jesus. And we ask, we ask according to Your will that all men would be drawn unto You. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Do really bow before you this morning. We bow our heads, we bow our hearts, we bow our lives. You are Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. We willingly declare that. We gladly declare that. And I pray, Father, that we declare that not only with our mouth, but Lord, even more so with every moment of every day, of every every action, every decision, every choice, we truly allow you to be Lord of our lives. Thank you for it this morning, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. We're going to receive the uh, the offering at the end, ushers. So you can put your feet up, relax just a bit. Turn with me to Mark chapter ten, and as you're turning there, I have a just a, a little piece of of uh, housekeeping that I want to mention because in in the moment, in the in the the time where it's happening, it's not necessarily the right time to to uh, not deal with it. Deal with it's not the right, right word I'm looking for, but just to you know, it's housekeeping. It's good to it's good to have things in order before guests come over, right? It's good to have things lined up. It's good to have it's good to have stuff uh, put away. Hidden that need to be hidden. It's good to have things put out that need to be put out. It's good to have things and, and know how how things are going to go. I and and I I look and I, I see the the person isn't here uh, who last week this this happened and I and I'm, I didn't want to single them out, but it just it's a great explainer. It's a great uh, uh, object lesson of how things how we need to do things in the future. Last week. Uh, during worship, somebody had a word, and it was a very good word. It was a wonderful word. it was from god and the thing is they they did it from the back of the room, which is fine i mean you well now it 's not fine because right? i 'm i 'm about to say it 's not fine <laughs> but it 's not that they did it wrong and it 's not that that was it was out of place it was it was absolutely necessary that they shared that. And someone this week, and I and I don't remember who it was. Somebody this week, told me I had a testimony of what happened during that word. Who was it? Who was telling me that, and would be willing to share it real quick? I know you're here. I, huh? No. Oh, it was. Who's your mom? Who's your mom? Um, during the word, the the Holy Spirit uh, confirmed something in Joni that that was just it was profound, so I mean it was a very good word. the thing is we want to do things um, decently in order we want to do things in order and, and one of the ways we can do that and that we should do it um, here and we want to have this in or in place and everybody understand going into each week because what I expect and want to have happen more and more is for the spirit of God to use you and i believe I believe and here this is my this is what I absolutely, 100% believe, that he wants to use some of you who have never, never came forward, never shared anything. Everybody's nudging the person next to them. No, what's up with that? But in doing so, one of the things that we want to do is we want to capture it on recording. And, and I know, people don't like microphones. I get it. Okay, I did did not like somebody handing me a microphone. There's something intimidating about microphones. And the thing, you know, here's my best piece of advice about microphones and about coming up front and having to do all of that. Here, just take it in all the love I mean it. Get over it. (laughs) Because what you have from the Lord is more important than how you feel about it. What what you have from the Lord is is going to touch somebody's life, and what was interesting was that you know Joni said well, they they you know, he, uh, he started to share and the Holy Spirit con- it confirmed something in her but it was like I wished it would have been caught on tape because it's that moment you know how many of you have received a word from somebody and it wasn't caught on tape it wasn't recorded and you go oh, I wished I had that. I wished I could hear that again because the way it was said, the, the phraseology, whatever it is, it's, it, it is important. And so as we continue on and as the Holy Spirit moves more and more and uses more and more of us, I want to have it um, be able to do it in such a way. So we have a microphone. And actually for the, this was I, during worship I was kind of thinking through how I wanted to share this. What I'd like to do is have that microphone closer to me. So if, you know when we're setting up in the morning, folks... Just set it next to the chair, and that way all I have to do is reach down and grab it and be able to hand it to you. And it's, you know, yes, I don't, don't like microphones. It just, it's just a piece of metal with electronics, and it makes your voice sound louder, okay? And so it's not that big a deal. And it's important what you have to say. And so I encourage you, it's not to, to, it's not to keep people from sharing something. It's not to to well I'm I, I have something to share, but I there's no way I'm gonna go up front. Well, yeah, I get that. And I've told you the stories. You know, I've told you the stories of how you know how many times I wouldn't go up front because I didn't want to draw <laughs> attention to myself, and I was embarrassed and I you see the common denominator there? It's all about I me. And and we don't want to do that. We don't want to to uh, to hinder the Holy Spirit or or to squelch what God's doing just because. You know we we joke around all the time. We don't like to sit in the front row, but here we are. You know, uh, was it the Christmas program? The kids' Christmas program. We got to sit in the back row. It was awesome. But it. it it's about people receiving from god and and now as more and more people come and visit and, and, and the, the the scripture says when the spirit is moving and he speaks through people it is a confirmation that god is here and he is here and he is speaking and we want to honor that and to do it to the best the best of our ability and and the way we want to do it need to do that is to record it have it recorded so that somebody else can go i need to hear that again because it really ministers amen so everybody, everybody raise your hand. Yeah, you're thinking, ah, I don't think so. But I encourage you, I encourage you to, to uh, be led by the Spirit and to, have, and to give a word in due season and uh, to, to get over that. And we're going to talk more about getting over ourselves in the day today for sure and maybe in the weeks to come. But get over ourselves that, you know, this isn't about us. When, when the Spirit is moving, it's not about us. It's about Him, and it's being yielded. It took me years to get there, and I know, but it's not about us, and, and, and we want to, to allow Him to be Lord in every way. Amen? Is everybody to Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17? It says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, Jesus, this is talking about Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Stop there. How many of you have ever read that and just kind of had one of those moments where you go, What's that all about? why, it sounds like Jesus is chewing the guy out, why is he rebuking him for calling him good? And then he says, only God is good. Okay? And, and I, I've, I've often read that and I thought, isn't that counterproductive? Isn't that counterintuitive? Shouldn't he go, you finally got it. Good job patting him on the back. Rewarding him for recognizing but I did some research on it, and I wanted, to, and I thought, because I know I I don't know I didn't know what that meant, what that that discourse was, but what I found out that historically, no teacher in Israel could ever be called good. They weren't allowed to call a teacher, he's a good teacher. Because remember, you know, in, uh, in when people are advertising, it's, it's extraordinary, it's amazing, it's wonderful. We put all these words into it. But when God created the heavens and the earth, He said it was good. Good in, in the language, good in the, in the vernacular, was perfect. Perfect. Exactly the way it should be. All those things. And, and that word good was reserved for God. It isn't that Jesus was chewing him out for, for saying it. What he was doing was highlighting that the man recognized something. He recognizes, why are you calling me good? He's kind of checking him out. You know, hey, good teacher. Boy, wait a second, why Why'd you call me good? Uh, he knows he didn't let him answer. He didn't give him an answer back. But he's, he's, he knows this man is coming to Jesus and, he, and the man recognizes something. And that's the most important part is he recognizes something. And we'll continue on. Verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said, Teacher, this is the young man, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him loved him, and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. So the young man comes asks, how do I inherit eternal life? Who is this guy? Who is this young man? There's three descriptors given about him. He is... He's rich. First one is rich. He's young and he is a ruler. Right? Isn't that what it says? Oh, now you got me nervous. Doesn't say it? It does in the add-in? Well here we go. If you go over to the other story, it's in Luke, it calls him a rich young ruler. So, first of all he's rich. The man has a has means. He has finances, he has stuff, he's rich, he's young, he has his whole life ahead of him. He has everything. He has he has future. He has opportunity. He doesn't he's not uh it doesn't sound like he's burdened down by a lot of cares. He can go and do and see and be anything that he wants to be. And in the Luke version it calls him a ruler. It means he has authority. So it's not that he's just a guy. This is a guy with some means. You know, and I'm not talking money. I'm talking, I mean, he has the money, he has the age, but he also has authority. He's in charge of something. He's he's accomplished. He's, he's ready to go. I mean, talk about the perfect person for Jesus to want to add to the kingdom. Here's a young man who has everything. He has his age. He has, he has riches. He, has, he can finance the kingdom. He has, uh, God, this is really big right here. I'm a little off my game this morning because I'm I'm walking around and going, why do I have no room there and all this room on full sites? Never mind. Distractions, (laughs) shiny things. But he has everything. But what he doesn't have is peace in his soul. He doesn't have the answer that really everybody wants to know. How can I inherit? How can I have eternal life? The bottom line is he came to the right person. And he even recognized that Jesus was a godly man. And he may have even had an idea that Jesus was God, or that he was the Messiah. He had an idea that this was the guy with the answer, and he showed him the respect that he was due. He came in and he knelt. He called him good, likening him to God. He, he showed honor, respect. He asked him a question. He didn't come up saying, hey, everything I have is yours. It's, you know, I, you know, I'm in. Show me what I need to do. He asked him a question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Does anybody know scripturally what eternal life is? There's a scripture that talks about what eternal life is. John seventeen three. I quote it all the time. It's my favorite verse. Now this is eternal life, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Now this is eternal life. So what is eternal life? It's knowing God. It's knowing Him. It's not knowing about Him. It's not having heard of Him. It's not even showing up where other people that worship Him every week show up. It's about you, an individual, us, knowing Him. So this young man comes to Jesus and he wants to find out what it's going to take to to inherit eternal life. And he came to the right place. He's kneeling right in front of God Himself. He came right to that point. And he has everything going for him. He has everything there. But... Jesus says, "He says, here's the rules, because in the Jewish uh, world, that day, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish world, the way you inherited eternal life was by following the rules. So Jesus fed him the party line. Don't kill, don't murder. He you know, just read through the Ten Commandments. Don't covet, don't steal, don't hang with those that do. And the young man said, I've done all that stuff. I'm following the rules. And Jesus said, it says here, he loved him. It's another way of saying, he just like, yeah, I I like this guy. I like this kid. His heart's in the right place. He's heading in the right direction. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things, verse 20, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Verse 22 says, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he, had been, for he had great possessions. We've been talking in the last few weeks, and especially during the week devoted to God, about dying to ourselves. We can talk about that. We can say that phrase. And it conjures up all kinds of images. Dying to ourselves. Not not counting our lives worthy of anything, even unto death. But what does that practically mean? What does that really mean in everyday life? What does that mean to you? How old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. What does it mean to a young man of thirteen? How old are you? I'm just kidding. Um... (laughs) We're not going there. I'm sorry. I just, it, just, it was there. You're my age. Whoa. What does it mean to somebody living in Minnesota, Wisconsin? What does it mean to a retired person? What, is it, what does it mean to us? How, how do you put it into practical terms that doesn't just automatically slide over into ooey wooey spiritual, oh, everything is yours? But where we really make the decision, Lord, everything is yours. And from this story, we see it's not an easy thing to do. Now, he was hung up on his possessions. But he could have easily, you know, that's what was stated. That's what was noted in the Scripture. But just as easily, it could have been about the rest of his life. Because Jesus said, follow me. The most important part there isn't sell all your possessions. The most important part is, follow me. Follow me. Go where I go. Do what I do. Listen to me. Let me lead you. That's the hard part. He got hung up on the possessions. Now, some people take that and run with it and say, see, it's about rich people. Even the disciples say that. The disciples took it and they said, well, it's about rich people. Well, if the rich can't get into heaven, how can anybody get into heaven? Because back then, you know, God blessing you, uh, finances and riches meant that God was blessing you. It was a sign of the blessing of God. And Jesus said, it has nothing to do with that. Riches, finances, stuff has nothing to do with it. The, the where you are rich is if you follow me. When you let somebody else lead." And who better? He's, he's kneeling at Jesus's feet. He had the answer right there. How does that work for us? Where does that practically work? Where does that really work? It works day one when you're you're you realize where you are in your eternity. That day, and I look around the room. I don't see anybody new today. So I've, I've seen almost every. I think I've know. I know everybody. I've seen everybody. Let's just assume that we're all Christians. If you're not, we'll talk about that later. But the day you came to Christ was the first day you had to lay down everything. Now you didn't realize what that all meant, but laying down everything means. I can't live my life according to the way I've been doing it any longer. It's not going to work. I will fail. I am failing. When I came to Christ, and I really meant it, when I, when I was like, that's it, my life is changing, I have de- I'm dedicating my life to the Lord, I came to a realization that I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way, because if I were to die at any moment, I am lost. And I don't dare take another step. Lord, I lay down my will. Because five hours before that moment, I wasn't in that place. Five hours. I mean, just within hours leading up to it, I thought everything was fine. I was was okay with where I was, for the most part. I was alright living life the way I wanted to live it. And then all of a sudden, the realization, the the presence of God, the anointing truth was staring me in the face and I had a choice to make. And that choice was to continue to be belligerent and continue to make my own decision and continue to go in the direction I'm going or to kneel and give it all up. I had the same choice as the the rich young ruler. Give it all up. Follow me. Follow me. And in that day, praise God for His grace. Praise Him for His grace that said, or that gave me the ability to say, yes, Lord, I yield myself to You. You get to be Lord. What I didn't realize was that the next day I had another choice. And then the next day I had another choice. Situation after situation. Come, I, I mean, I, I wished I could just take the whole day today and just tell you step by step because the next day I had another choice to make. Am I going to do that anymore? And praise God for His grace because not every day I made the right choice. Not every day did I say no to the flesh or no to the lust or no to the whatever and, and, and yes to Him. But praise God for His grace. Even when I stumbled in those moments, He came right back and gave me another choice. Follow me. And over time, I started making more and more right choices. I wasn't perfect. I'm still not perfect. But I I started making more and more right choices. That's the deal. Is every moment you have choices in front of you to follow Him or not to follow Him? one of the the best examples of that, of, of having something so dear to your heart that this is what I want. This is what I even believe God wants. But having that heart of yielding to Him and saying, Lord, Your will be done, not mine. And that was when I met Deb. I met Deb and through a series of events, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Sometime I'll let her preach and she can tell the whole story. But she, she made it clear to me that the right choice would be to marry her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I really fell for Deb. Slowly, but when I did, I fell hard. When I fell hard, it was like, this is the woman. This is her. This is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And for those who know our story, it was a very quick courtship, engagement, and a quick marriage. Very very short period of time. And people thought we were crazy, and we were, we were just rushing into things, and we, were, we weren't thinking clearly. What they didn't know was that every day, every single day, I started the day and, and ended the day. When we would be together, we would end the day when we were together in prayer, and every single day through that whole period, we always said, Lord, here's what we want. But Lord, we yield that to you. If you have a different plan, show us. If you have something else you want us to do, even if that means us being apart, we yield that to you. This is your. Thing. This is your, even this relationship, and I mean, every day, if you know, you guys who, who've, who've gone through it and had relationships and and be, and got engaged and got married, I mean, the, the closer we came to the date that we had set, the more you want to be married to that person, the more you want to that day to be there, and you're just, you know, it's to the point where you're just, ugh frustrated because it's not happening quick enough. And, it, and it's something that you want dearly. And the last night, the, fi- the night before we got married, I still remember sitting and talking to Deb and saying, we need to pray one more time. And it was the same prayer we prayed all the time. Lord, here's the deal. I love this woman. And I want to be with her the rest of my life. I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for this relationship to work. But Lord, if this is not Your will, it's Your deal. I put it at Your feet. You, you can tell me right now to walk away. And I don't want to, but I will. That's how you die. It doesn't matter whether... I mean, that's a big one. Okay, that's a big decision. But there's all kinds of decisions... You know, I thought once we got across that threshold, once we, we made that decision and, you know, and praise God we got married the next day. Now the stock market was crashing. The it was Black Monday. Long story, we eloped. But Black Monday the the Twins were winning the World Series. We were sure the end of the world was nigh. But I thought once we got married, see, we, we made that decision. I thought, yes, we made it. Okay, the rest of our life will be wonderful. <laughs> and for any of you, it's going to be easy. One, for anybody who's been married for any length of time, all of a sudden you're faced with a whole nother set of things to die to. What do you mean... You're supposed to follow me. You're supposed to submit. What do you mean? You would disagree and you don't think we should do it this way. I'm the man, woman. Yeah. No, that didn't work for me. And I praise God for somebody more stubborn than I am. And I say stubborn in a good way. I mean, not going to... So then after you've perfected marriage after 10, you know, 15 years and we waited well we waited 11 years to have children and we and we had kind of figured out a lot of about marriage and life and I realized what bu- buttons I shouldn't push when and you know I, and then I'm still learning that one but <laughs> you think you think you got it all figured out at that point you think man okay I can do this and then you have children I mean quick lesson in dying to yourself is four o'clock in the morning when all of a sudden you hear the cry that is alarming you allow you know, letting you know that somebody is wet. And then you you, you, you your flesh wants to just roll over and <laughs> and nudging the other one quickly before you do that. Oh, pfft. wow. She just said, when did you not do that? Hello. <laughs> there is a phrase that says, live by the sword, die by the sword. So I'm up here telling stories. I, you know, I had to tell you what she said because she's right. There's Most mornings I... I'm talking about how you died to yourself. <laughs> and were an amazing example to me as a woman who just, you were, you are. Mothers are an example of that, of that, that love. <laughs> Dads are always trying to get out of it, but you know. But there's all kinds of things to die to, there's all kinds of things that, you know, that come up every day. The dying to ourself. This young man just couldn't do it. He couldn't pull that trigger. He couldn't couldn't give up everything. What's interesting, we're going to stop there for a second. We're going to keep going with these verses because you would think if it was all about the riches, then that would have a, 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 a weight of its own. But listen to the rest of the discussion between Jesus and the disciples. Verse 23. And Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his word. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. He said wealth, so everybody gets hung up on money. Now money could be your deal. Money could be the the thing that trips people up in in whatever situation. And that's, that's great. It's whatever you have. It isn't just money. It's whatever you have. We're going to see later, Jesus talks about if, if, if you put anything, even mother, father, children, above following Me, then you need to give that up. You need to lay down your life. Everything that's yours. So He says wealth, but He says it's difficult to enter the kingdom. Why is it difficult? It's because we don't want to let those things go. We don't want to just say, God, you have everything. Everything that's mine is yours. I give it to you. You can do whatever you want. Today is yours. What I have planned today is to go home, have dinner or have lunch, turn the TV on, watch a couple of games. That's my plan. That's what I plan on doing. But who am I if the Lord says, I want you to do something else this afternoon? Whatever it is, I'm not going to put something super, oh yeah, of course you would do that because that's super spiritual. No. What if he just tells me to go do something I don't want to do? I have a choice in front of me. Tomorrow morning, my plan is to get up, have breakfast, come to work. There's actually a couple things I really want to do tomorrow. I've got some things that have to get done, need to get situated, sorted out. Those are the highest priorities on my list. But what if God says tomorrow morning, no, I want you to do something else. What am I going to do? Dying to ourselves is a daily thing. And it's hard. If it was easy, we would all do it. If you have a word from now on, use the microphone. Hopefully that doesn't fall. Use the microphone. Come up here and use the microphone. Well, I don't want to. Well, that's now. Now you're just you're trying to control us. Now, now you're just putting a bunch of rules. That's very Pharisaical, Pastor John. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us literally every day start our day with, Lord, not my will, but yours? Today. Uh, To think of that, to to try to put that into, you know, the rest of my life, Lord, your will be done, not mine. That's too big. But this morning, how many of us started our day saying, Lord, your will be done, not mine? It's in that submission. It's in that moment of laying all down. It's hard because you will be faced with something in that day that's going to be harder than you can handle. It's going to be bigger than what you have strength for. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You've all heard that phrase we've talked about it here a bunch the eye of the needle was a gate that you could get into the city after hours but to do it you had to lay you had to put all of your either you had to put your your stuff through first and then crawl through but a a camel couldn't get through walking it had to get down on its knee and it couldn't get get through with a with a pack on you had to take all the stuff off the camel and you had to pass it through the gate first and then you then you the everybody could crawl through that way, if, if an invading army, they couldn't, that wasn't an easy way to come in, because they had guards there, and they could stab you, kill you, whatever. So you had to humble yourself and crawl through. It's easier for, for, to do that than for somebody who's relying upon what they have, relying upon their own wisdom, relying upon their own experience, relying upon their own uh, volition. It's easier. Why? Because human beings don't want to give up our will. That started with our with all of our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve. God said, This is the way I want you to do things. And they went, No, I think we want to do it a different way. We don't want to. Years ago I heard I heard somebody talk about submission and authority. And they said submission isn't doing the things you want to do that people ask you to do, or the leader asks you to do. It's doing the things you don't want to do. And I'm honest enough to tell you there's all kinds of things every day I don't want to do. I just don't. And I'm not always perfect at it. Neither We're all working. Praise God for His grace. But every day, it's laying down our life. Every day... Nobody wants to talk about dying. This rich young ruler said, "No, I, I no." He went away sorrowful. Verse twenty-six. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, "Then who can be saved?" Jesus looked at them and said, "With man it is impossible." <laughs> That's it. It's impossible for you and I to do it. Any of this. It literally takes laying down our will. Lord, I can't do this. I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be. I can't. I can't love her the way she deserves to be loved. I can't love my kids the way they deserve to be loved. I don't have it in me. The only way it does, the only way is just laying down our will. And it's in little things, it's in big things, it's in everyday things. This morning, I wake up, I'm hungry. I walk in the kitchen, and I just happen to see that the dishwasher light was on, the done light. Curse you, light. <laughs> That's not a big thing, is it? Except at 6.30 in the morning when you're hungry and you had a different plan. <laughs> That's, that doesn't seem very spiritual, but it has everything to do with it. Laying down your life. Serving. Serving one another. Who can be saved? Jesus looked at him and says, With man it is impossible, with God for all, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children and lands, with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. If it was just about stuff, Jesus wouldn't have said, if you give up everything, you'll get it back anyway. In this life. And in the one to come. I believe that's a promise. It's a promise. That if we lay down everything, we'll gain so much more. And at that point, we, we won't, our mind and our heart won't be wrapped up in about the stuff. Because it's not about the stuff. But I know, I know. Long time ago, 30 years ago, I I decided that's it. Lord, I lay down everything. Everything is yours. Absolutely everything. More than once in those early days, I gave away everything. Everything. I gave away everything I had. I gave away and led by Him, not just because somebody else did it and I thought, oh, that'd be spiritual. I was in a meeting one night, and they were receiving an offering. I didn't have anything on me. I had no cash, no nothing. But I had some money in the bank. It was the first time in years I had had anything in the bank. And it wasn't, in in today's standards, it isn't that much, but it was all I had. It was the most I'd ever saved. And in that meeting, the Holy Spirit says, tomorrow I want you to clean out your bank account, and I want you to give it. This was Wednesday night. I needed to put gas in my car. I had to buy food for the rest of the week. And the Holy Spirit said, clean out your, get everything you have and give it away. Give it into this. I had a choice to make. Are you willing to give it all away? Are you willing to... And, and, and we're going to receive the offering. Now, now, if I had thought it through, I wouldn't receive the offering at the end. I had done it at the beginning. But maybe that, I don't know. Don't, don't read too much into it. But then again, read all into it that you need to. Are you willing to give it all away? Now, here's where you need to hear the voice of God. Because it's in that moment when you're ready to give absolutely everything. I mean, Abraham had to make sure he heard the voice of God before he raised that knife to kill his son Isaac. Because that's a big deal. That is all in. Noah had to be all in when he cut down the first tree to make a boat because the world was going to be destroyed and God told him to make a boat. I wonder if that's what he had planned to do that day. We live in a time, we've always lived in a time, we've lived in a time since Jesus was here, it's just we're not very good at it. Christianity is not, we're not good at it at all. Because if we were, if all of us were, we'd be done. There have been those throughout time that have said it's worth it. Everything is yours. And I'm not talking about the monks. I'm talking about regular people. Regular people who listened to God and said, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go where you tell me to go. I will live the way you tell me to go, even though it's imp- I can't do it. I don't have the ability, the strength, or the, the wherewithal. God, it has to be you but I am willing to lay it all down for you. And when you do it, there's going to be people who are think you're crazy. They're not going to like the fact that you're doing what you're doing, that you're following God. I had people who were very near and dear to my heart who told me I was wrong. It was dumb for me to do this, to become a, a pastor. I mean, I had people who were mad at me, yelled at me. Do you have any, you are, you are, God wants you to take care of your family. And do you know how much a pastor makes? With persecution, it says, you notice that. With persecution. People are going to think you're crazy. Your friends are going to think you're crazy. Other Christians are going to think you're crazy. This is not easy. Dying to ourselves is not, as we can see, the one where everybody jumps up and runs around the room because they're so excited we're talking about it. But I'm telling you, it's the one that gives us breakthrough. This, this concept, this, not just concept, this action, this act of obedience, of laying down our life, even though even though we are absolutely justified. Absolutely justified. There I was I have every right to make this decision because, because I have that right. And God says, do it different. Recently I I saw something online and I, I shared it with a young man. And it's a story about a father who was working outside with his son and his son goes, Dad, I said, I think I'm gonna ask my girlfriend to marry me. And the dad stood there for a moment, he looks, he goes, Tell me you're sorry. And the kid goes, What? He said, Tell me you're sorry. Why? I said, tell me you're sorry. Why? I didn't do anything. Tell me you're sorry. <sighs> Dad, stop it. I, I just told you I wanted to marry this girl. I, w- I want your advice. Tell me you're sorry, son. Why? Tell me you're sorry. The kid goes, Dad, what are you doing? I don't understand. This is crazy. Son, tell me you're sorry. The son goes, fine. I'm sorry, Dad. He goes, good. Now you're ready to get married. And it works both ways, ladies, right? (laughs) (laughs) Counseling begins at uh, (laughs) 11.15. When we're willing to love somebody anyway, even though... They wronged you to forgive them and love them and, and give them another chance, even though they wronged you. That's exactly what Jesus did. We just sang about that. I lay down my stuff. Okay, I don't remember the exact words, but I lay it down. It's, it, it pales in what Jesus did at Calvary. He loved us so much. He loved the world so much, and the world hated Him. He loved them so much that He died for us. That's the example that we have. We couldn't have wronged God anymore. And yet He died for us. He gave us everything. It's only right that we give Him everything. It's time to receive the offering. Ushers, hand out the offering envelopes. Let's pray. We'll receive the offering. Father... Your will be done. Your purpose, your plan for us, your, your plan for each and every one of us, your plan for this place, your plan for this part of the world and for this world. You are Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, you're even Lord over our finances. Your will be done, Lord. Show us what to do, how to do it, when to do it, And as we give according to Your Word, I thank You, Lord, that Your plan and purpose is fulfilled in every way. And Father, I just publicly want to say thank You for each and every one of these. Thank You for the generosity and the the love that they show You and that your kingdom reaps the benefit of. Thank you for each and every individual who is who gives from their heart. Thank you for a blessing on each and every one in every way. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.